Thank you, and welcome again to Journeys in Grace. Hello, my name is Pastor Eric Hubbard, and today again we'll take a, the journey, another trip down the, the, uh, the Word Road as we study the Scriptures today, and we continue on the last two, two, um, two, two messages, the last two lessons we talked about, the victories of grace, and the last victory we're going to talk about in grace is grace over condemnation. Grace over condemnation. And as we begin to study the scriptures today, we're going to be in the book of John, St. John, the 8th chapter. And we're going to read about how Jesus dealt with sin, how he dealt with uh, accusations, how he dealt with people, and how that he was always among people. He was always among people. And many of the time, the church folks and the people who knew the mechanics of religion, and what I mean by mechanics is they knew how to operate, but they didn't know have the spirit of it. It didn't have the love of and know their comp understand what God was seeking to accomplish uh, as he gave the laws and how his desire was to point the, the Jewish nation, the Hebrew nation toward a savior, letting them know that all of your efforts, even if you think about, and as I said earlier in, in previous messages, how that uh, even the law and the sacrifices and all of the feasts that the Jews did and had they kept every year uh, ceremoniously they sacrificed a lamb every year the priest would go into the Holy of Holies and this priest had to have his garment, garments on and he shed blood on the altar and this blood was from a lamb and the lamb had to be perfect could have no scars no broken limbs it could have no diseases and this perfect lamb was sacrificed yearly for the sins of the entire nation so this is what God was seeking to show them was that uh, although they sacrificed yearly, it was only from year to year. It was not one sacrifice and all of the sins be cleansed, but it had to happen every year. Every year, this another lamb had to give his life for the sins of the people. Every year, another lamb gave his life for the sins of the people. And this whole thing was a, 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 a picture showing them of what was to come. Jesus was spoken of by Moses. Moses talked of Shiloh coming. David spoke of Jesus in the book of uh, Psalms, the 22nd, the 20, Psalms 22, how he spoke about the, 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 the sacrifice of the lamb and how that he will be uh, uh, killed. And if you read on more into Psalms and do a word study on it, you will see how the, uh, uh, the scriptures here that uh, even uh, Jesus would declare that I was killed in the house of my friend. I was betrayed by those who ate with me. So as we study the scriptures today, we'll see how all of this cost of sin was paid by the blood of our Savior. The Bible says he came through 42 generations. So in other words, God had a plan. He had a plan for man that I'm going to send my son and for all of the sins of man. For all, everything that we did, past, present, and future. And you can read this in Hebrews the 8th chapter and again in Hebrews 10. Where the, the scripture says, uh, and it's recorded, that he said, Their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. No more will God uh, hold the sins of the father against the children. And for three generations in the Old Testament it spoke of that the sins of the father could affect not only his children but another, another generation. And so what God is saying now is that we are all responsible. Every man is responsible. Uh, and, and when I say man, I mean man and woman. All of us are responsible for our own life. We must give an account 
of the deeds done in this flesh. But we have a Savior. We have a Savior who was willing to lay down as a sacrificial lamb and give his life for all the sins of men. And when Jesus took, laid down on that cross and they drove the nails through his feet and drove the nails through his, his hands, they stabbed him in the side. They put crowns of thorns upon his head. And prior to this, they, they lashed him and stripped the skin off of his back with 39 lashes of an a, a instrument they called the cat of nine tails. Well, basically, it was a rope with, uh, where it was a whip with many, uh, uh, I would call them tongues on it, but basically it was glass and nails uh, tied together. And as I constantly say, the Romans were professionals in torture. Because they were, they were, their, their whole theme was to make you suffer. They wanted to drive you to the point of death and only kill you by having you suffer on the cross. But we know that they did not have the power to take Jesus' life. When Jesus stood before uh, uh, Pilate, the Pilate, and he told, and Pilate said, don't you know I have power to save your life? Jesus said, no man takes my life, but I lay it down. Because Jesus was life himself. If he chose, he could have stayed there. But he knew in order for us, he had to die. He had to shed his blood. He had to go down to the very depths of hell and take back everything that Adam gave up. So let's read about this man. as This is recorded in the book of Matthew. And you can read this later in your notes in Matthew eleven nineteen. Jesus was ridiculed. For hanging out with publicans and sinners. They called him a wine bibber. In other words, he was a man they said that uh, he, every time you look around, he was, he was with the people eating and drinking. They said that, uh, that he, he loves to fellowship. And I don't believe the wine he drunk in their day is, was, was packed full of the alcohol that we have in our day. And yet, they, 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 they criticized him because he was willing to be touched by people. Because the grace and the love of God for all of us is God wants us to have a relationship with him, not a religion. Jesus did not come. He didn't say, I come that you might have religion. He said, I come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Life is about experiencing people, experiencing different things of, of, of getting to know our God and then recognizing all of the promises and all of the things that he has for us. And then receiving that love, having that, having, uh, that God-given love that would not only, it would overflow so that the love in you will be shed abroad unto others. And that's why we give the word to you today that I wish to just, just, just hopefully put in words, in my little simple terms and my little simple words, to let you know that all of us have the opportunity to walk in the grace of God and in the victory of God. When you walk in grace... You walk in victory. No, it doesn't mean you won't have trials, that you won't have tribulations, but it does mean that whatsoever comes upon you, you have the victory. It doesn't mean that you got to fight for it because Jesus already won it. He won every battle. He won every fight, that everything that will ever come against you. The apostle uh, Peter says he's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So whatever you need, whether it's food, whether it's money, whether it's love, whether it's, he, he's already given you get to you in the package. It's in the package. And this is what Jesus has done for us. So we're going to read today in the uh, book of John, St. John, 8th chapter, and the first verse. 
And Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning, he came again to the temple. And all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. So Jesus came early. He came uh, early on, on uh, 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 most likely on the Sabbath. Most of them, and he began to teach them and, and speak to them things that many times when he spoke to them, they would say, what a word that he gave. Many of them said, where did this man get all this learning? He didn't go to uh, Bible school. He didn't go to uh, a seminary. He didn't go to uh, uh, learn at the great, uh, and sit at the feet of all the, all the great uh, uh, Pharisees and teachers of their day. He didn't go. But he was the very word itself. And he was, will he was willing. That was his mission. This is what drove him, was to share the word of God and the love of God. He wanted to paint a picture of a God that loved, a God that shares, a God that cares. And again, this is why he was called a, 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 uh, a, a wine-bibber wine and someone who, who was known to sit and fellowship with common people. Because he wanted all of us to know we have a God that can be touched with our feelings. If you hurt, he's felt hurt. He's felt weariness. He felt tiredness. Jesus actually walked around in a body. He got tired just like you got tired. He got sleepy just like you got sleepy. Well, you get sleepy. All of the emotions that, that uh, may come on a person, he, they came against him. But yet we know that he walked as a man, but yet without sin. But he was known as someone who cared for people, who mourned for, for, for people. When he saw the, 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 how that man had slipped to a point to where they, 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 they became, as I said earlier, mechanical. Just doing things out, out, of, a, a, out, of, a, out of a routine. As we all do sometimes. You know how you get used to something, you just automatically know how to do it. You can do it. And without feeling, without uh, taking that special care you, you would take to, uh, uh, to, you know, if you can cook, you know, when you're first doing a recipe, you know, you take your time and you read all the instructions. But after a while, when you've done it a few times, you don't even have to think about it. You just do it. But to Jesus, it wasn't a routine. He took the time to allow himself to be touched by people. And, for, and to show them the love of God which the leaders of his day had forgotten who God was and they were now more concerned with what you did the outside man than rather than who you were which is the inside man let's read on in the third verse it says and the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery and when they had set her in the midst they said unto him master this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now, if you go back to that third verse, they said they caught this woman in adultery. The first thing that's come to your mind is, number one, where is the man? If she was caught in adultery and you really were concerned about upholding all the law, you would have taken the man and the woman. So that lets you know this was a setup. This was a setup from the very beginning because they wanted to make Jesus look bad. They said, okay, we're going to catch him in a point of where he must condemn because the law requires such. And Jesus said, he said, I didn't come to destroy the law. He said, I come to fulfill it. 
And he was the only man that could fulfill all Ten Commandments and all of the 600 plus uh, ordinances that, that were associated with it. He was the only one. So they came early. Now you would think if they could have, if they called her, if they called her early in the morning, seemed like to me, it seemed like they woke her up. And we're going to read more here. Seemed like the man had to be close because they called in the very act. So where is the man? And they say in the fifth verse, now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what say you? In other words, Jesus, what you going to do about it? We know what Moses uh, uh, commanded. And if you read this in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 22nd chapter 21st, 24th verse, it says, when a man and woman are called, it says you must bring them both and they would be stoned. That's what the law required as a punishment for adultery for a married woman and man. But yet, somehow, with a woman who was caught in adultery, they only captured her and the man is nowhere to be found. The sixth verse. This they said, tempting him. So the writer John says that they already knew. That, again, this was a setup. They were attempting him because, they, okay, we got him now. Let's see this lover of publicans and sinners. The law says that you got to stone this woman. So I wonder, what is he going to do? Is he going to rebel against the law? Or is he going to kill one of his special uh, sinners, this uh, uh, adulteress? Because we've got the very thing that requires death. We're going to have a rock party today. And I can imagine all of them were ready. They all probably had a, 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 a pile of rocks sitting on the side just waiting. Because it was a setup. Because they knew if this man who said that he was love, he, he epitomized love, and now you are stoning a woman, although she's guilty. Jesus, we're going to make you look bad. We're going to show the folks what kind of man you are. you just like one of us. But they didn't know. That he was the very word indeed. And they were trying to trip up the man who actually sent the very word which they were trying to trip him up with. So if we continue on in the sixth verse, let's read it again. They said, they, this they said, tempting him that they may have to accuse him. So in other words, they would have something to say, oh, see, we told you, he's just the same as all the rest. But Jesus stooped down. And with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. See, that's many a time. That's just a lesson in that. Whenever you are faced with a hard question or a hard time, give yourself some, some time to hear God. Don't answer everything immediately. Just give it some time. Roll it around. You know, ask the Lord. Say, Lord, what should I say? What, should, what, what is it you would have me to say? Because the law said, stone her. But Jesus knew why he came and he knew his mission. He knew what he would do. But the scripture says he just knelt down and began to write on the ground. So when they continued asking, so they continued to say, okay, Lord, you ain't saying nothing. Uh-huh. Why ain't you talking now? We got one of your sinners. What are you going to do? Master. And it says, he lifted up, in other words, he lifted up himself, he stood up and said unto them, he that without sin among you, 
let him first cast a stone at her. And it says in the eighth verse, and again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. See, that's what wisdom will do. Wisdom will give you what to say, when to say, and what to do. Jesus didn't preach a, a, a sermon to him. He just said these words which were impactful words. He said, okay. Since you want to stone someone, first one, the perfect one out here. Yeah, Mr. Perfect. Well, whoever you are, you, you get the first stone so we, so we know, so we can pick you out. We want you to throw the first stone. Take your shot. And then he knelt down. And it says in the 8th verse, and again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. In the ninth verse it says, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience. So in other words, they know, okay, if I pick this rock up and, 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 and throw it first, I'm saying I'm without sin. All of them knew they were guilty of something. Some of them probably laid with her because they, they managed to find her and somehow missed the man. And every, I've heard many of and I am too. I wonder what Jesus wrote on the ground. And they which heard, heard it, being convicted by their own countries, went out one by one. People begin to turn around and walk away because they realize, okay, I can't, I can't do it. Because I can't say I'm without sin. I can't say that I am above sin. So they walked out. One by one. It says beginning at the eldest. See, we all know we got a history. You live long enough on the earth, you learn some things. And if you learn anything, you'll know. Don't open your mouth. <laughs> you better be careful how you answer people. Because many times when, you, 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 when you're zealous and you're unlearned and you really don't know, you know, you have a zeal to do, but no knowledge. That's a dangerous thing thing to be when you're you're zealous at whatever you are doing but you're unskilled at it many errors and many many uh, uh, wrong things happen when zealous people get out we all need to be zealous for the Lord but we also need to be have the wisdom that's what the scripture says I call the old because they know the way and the young because they are strong we all need to hook up and yoke up with people with wisdom about whatever you're trying to do. If you're a musician, you need to get with someone who, who has played for a while and can show you the ropes. When you're a business owner, find a mentor who's doing what you've done, doing what you're trying to do and can help you to avoid some of the pitfalls. If you're a young woman, a young wife, a just married wife, find someone, a seasoned lady, a seasoned sister, say, you know, uh, tell me, You've been married for 20 years or 25, 30, whatever the case may be. Tell me, I'm talking about someone with wisdom and with knowledge. How did you do this? Tell me what to, tell me, how did you, uh, how did y'all make it this thus far? And a wise woman, the first thing out of their mouth would be, by the grace of God, which is his unmerited favor, which he put upon my life and empowered my husband and I, or uh, my wife and I, whatever the case may be. To get to this point in life and recognize it's not about me, it's not about her, but it's all about him. 
Everything in life works out better when you're willing to live a sacrificing life. As our Savior did. As he sacrificed himself for us. Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Not do it to them before they do it to you. As Fred Sanford used to say, but do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So in other words, whatever favor, and, and if you was in this position, what good thing would you, would you want someone to do for you? If you found yourself in this predicament or in this situation. That's love. That's, that's concern, concern. That's empathy. Saying, you know, I've been in your position before. Let me show you what I would do. And reading that ninth verse again, it says, And they which had heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst. See, she was ready. She knew her. She, in her heart, she knew this over for me. Whatever had drove her, whatever had caused her to do what she did. She knew the law said that if you're caught, you die. Because you broke the law of Moses. One of the big ten, she broke it. Because she had committed adultery. And the, and the penalty for adultery is, it was, was, is stoning. But the 10th verse says, when Jesus had lifted himself up, lifted up himself, and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, woman, where are thine accusers? You know, an accuser is someone who places blame. So in other words, they have placed the blame of adultery solely on her. That's their first wrong act among uh, uh, um, the multitude of which they committed. By trying to set Jesus up. But they were placing the blame for adultery on singly on this woman. And you know there had to be another person involved. But Jesus said, where are your accusers? Where are your blamers? And this is what we do sometimes. We accept the blame and we take all the blame. But Jesus took all of that. He didn't take it for us to go out and sin again, but he took it for all these things on us and said, you know what? I have come to set you free. That's what he meant when he said in John 10, I have come that you might have life and it more abundantly. He's saying, I've come to set you free from every bondage, from every addiction, from every habit. I've come to set you free. When you're saved, I come to set you free so you can receive eternal life. And when you are uh, um, uh, when you're unsaved, now he's saying, I'm come to set you free and give you eternal life. But after you are saved, see, many times when a person gets saved, we feel like, oh, you're supposed to be perfect now. Oh, now you're in a battle. But you're a winner now. Once you receive Christ into your life and receive his love and, and partake of what God is giving out. He, if you read the book of, uh, of uh, Galatians, fifth chapter, he talks about the Galatians 22. I talk about in the spirit, we're given us love, joy, peace, goodness, meekness, meekness, faith, and on and on. But the first offspring of love is joy. He said, I'll give you joy in the midst of your trials, in the midst of your tribulation, in the midst of any and everything that may come against you. He said, I'll give you joy for the scripture said the joy of the Lord is our strength. He said, I'll, get, I'll, I'll help you to overcome this. But this woman standing there, having been caught in adultery, waiting for death to, and, and then she knows that's going to be eternal punishment. She's just standing there. 
stunned. I would imagine some of those men had rocks in their hand, and she could probably hear them dropping them. Every one of them, the Bible said they went out one by one. I don't imagine some of them had the rocks in their pockets, just waiting to say, oh, I'm going to get her. I'm going to show him. I'm going to put this on his record, and we'll see what, how many in the crowd now. He had 5,000 next time. He won't have 50. But they dropped it one by one. You could hear the rocks hit the ground because they did not get what they wanted to get. They wanted to murder. They wanted to, they wanted to see someone die. But Jesus says, I want to see someone live. And then he goes on to say, Woman, where are thy accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And see, when someone condemns you, they, it, 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 condemnation means to judge or pronounce to be unfit for use. So whenever some, you, you feel condemnation, and most of the time that's what we put on ourselves, we say to ourselves, I messed up, I missed the mark, and we allow condemnation to come into us. And bind us because when you step condemnation, then that weakens your faith. And I heard one minister preacher say, he said, faith contaminated, you know, no, no, when you allow that faith, that your faith to be contaminated, then it becomes useless. It becomes uh, 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 stagnant. It's watered down. But you got, you cannot allow your faith to be contaminated by blame by shame, by guilt, guilt, nor condemnation. And most of the time, we condemn ourselves. We, we consider ourselves, oh, I'm so unfit. I'm talking about after we're saved. And don't even mention before, most people feel like, I've got to get ready. Oh, I'll, I'll come. But when I, I, I stop this habit, I'll come. When I, when I, when I, when I get rid of this man, I'll, I'll, I'll come, man, baby, bro. I'll come, man, but i got to get some things together. No. Jesus says, come unto me. All that you are laden and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. If you are heavy and weighed down with addiction, if you are heavy and weighed down with problems and issues, if you are heavy, or, if you could be in prison today, Jesus will come into your cell and set you free. And you will be freer than the man that's walking out, walking out, that's walking around the, the, the prison gate. And people going back and forth to work in homes and all these other things. Bound in their mind because they don't know Christ. But when you are free in your mind, you are freer than the multitude millions that's carrying all that baggage of the yesterday. But when the, who the sun set free, you are free indeed. He's able to free you and let you go to a life of eternity. And eternal life, that means after. The eternal life is now. When you discover Jesus, you begin to live eternally. That's why Jesus told him to pray, uh, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We're supposed to be bringing heaven down to earth. Enjoying heaven now. Not later. Not in the sweet by and by. But we are to live in victory and show the world this is how you enjoy life. You ain't got to be high on meth. You ain't got to be high on, on, on weed or whatever the case may be. 
But you can be free now and higher on the love of God than any drug or any alcohol or anything or any uh, uh, illicit activity can take you. Whom the Son set free is free indeed. But Jesus said again, Where art thou accusest? Hath no man condemned thee? And she looked around and she said, No man, Lord. They could not open their mouth because they too were laden with sin. But what did Jesus say to her? He said, I don't call. He said, neither do I condemn you. In other words, he said, I'm not going to say you're unfit for use. But he, but he freed her. He said, go. He loosed her and said no more. His very words set her free. He's saying to her, I, I know what you did because you are guilty. But I have the power to loose you from your past and set you free on a path to life. Everybody ought to want to live. I'm not just talking about breathing in and out of oxygen. That's not just, that's existing. But when you have the sun in your heart, see, when you have life, you can give life. Then you can pray and say, brother, uh, can I pray with you? You know somebody don't like you. They got all you. You know you. You had things that, that you know you didn't get along, and you ain't seen this person in a long time. Said, "Hey man, you know, I can, can I pray for you? Can I pray with you for something? Is there anything you need? Can how can I bless you? God can restore relationships. He can restore marriage. He can restore friendship. He can restore brotherhood. He can connect sons and daughters. He can connect uh, 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 mothers and fathers." Fathers and sons. Jesus has that ability when we allow him and allow the love that he's given us to flow from heart to heart. This love Jesus has provided for us. I'm going to read this last verse in the 12th verse. Then spake Jesus again to them saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows after me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Lord wants to give you, he wants to put a light in you, a fire in you, that'll never go out. We didn't exist because of emotions. It exists because you have the sun now living inside of you. You have then the love of God that when you allow, when you accept Christ, and receive him as Lord and Savior. He will ignite that some love in you. That the world will see. And they'll wonder. What happened to you? Without you saying a word. They'll see. There's been a great change in your life. Let us pray. Father we thank you for this day. We thank you for this hour. We pray Lord that these words oh God. Have not fell on death ears. Well, we just prayed today. Jesus said when you hear my heart word. He said, harden not your heart. He said, when you hear my voice, harden not your heart. As they did in the day of perdition when they rejected you in the wilderness. But today, Lord, we say within ourselves and we pray this prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we receive your son. We believe that he can't live and die. He died on the third day. He died on the third day. He rose again. And he died for my sin. 
Today I received the salvation which Jesus provided for me. And I give my life to you. And I receive. And I yield to you. And I receive your love. And now, Lord, I receive you as Lord and as Savior. And now I am a part of the family of God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen, Lord Jesus. Amen. I pray you receive this word today. And thank you for being with us again on Journeys in Grace.